Today's guest is Caleb Nelson. So Caleb and I go way back. We met about a decade ago, and we've walked very similar paths here in the fitness industry. However, we hadn't really spoken much in about five or six years at least until we recently reconnected as I was a guest on his podcast called Naked Sunday. On that show, I got to do most of the talking, but as the conversation rolled on, Caleb said some really interesting things that got my attention, and I immediately decided to invite him onto our show as well. I figured it would be a great chance for our listeners to hear more about what Caleb is working on these days, and I was right. This is a fantastic conversation centered mostly around what Caleb refers to as culture coaching, which we dive into quite deeply here, and how the world of coaching in general is changing and changing fast. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation, especially in the back half as we really get into our flow. Be sure to listen all the way through as Caleb drops some incredible wisdom, shares his knowledge and experience in ways that we can all understand and apply to our life and our business right away. Enjoy the conversation with Caleb Nelson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 023 Radio, the only show in the industry that focuses on optimizing the other 23 hours of the day. So you can transform your clients and your career on a whole new level. This show is for seasoned coaches and experienced leaders in the health and fitness industry to engage in professional level discussion on all things regarding bigger impact for our clients, better incomes for ourselves, and real meaningful influence in this loud and crowded space. Here we go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Caleb Nelson, how you doing, buddy? Uh, just hyped to be here, bro. Super Good. happy. Awesome. Great to hear. So um, just for a quick little introduction. So Caleb and I have known each other for quite a while through the through the CrossFit world primarily. Um, but we hadn't spoken in quite, you know, for at least several years um, yeah. until we, we recently reconnected. And I was a guest on Caleb's uh, podcast recently called Naked Sunday. Hmm. Do you remember what episode it was? Was it 30? I think, or something like that? I think 30 sounds about right. Maybe yeah, that somewhere, sounds right. somewhere between 29 and 32, somewhere. Okay. There. Yeah, so <laughs> it was episode 30. And um, it was a really cool chance to reconnect and, and talk about the things that um, we've been up to. Uh, most of that conversation was about what I've been up to and the things that I'm working on because I was a guest, but um, <laughs> just hearing a little bit about what you were doing, it made sense to me to invite you on our show to, to hear more from your point of view as well. So, uh, welcome again, and um, why don't you start by giving us a little bit of background on, on your time here in the health and fitness space? Sure thing. Yeah, so um, I'll start basically kind of like how I got into fitness, or mm -hmm. at least the fitness space in general. Like you and I actually both went to Cortland, and mm -hmm. uh, my degree there was in kinesiology. Okay. And uh, during that time, we, you and I both know Manny Allion. He owns, mm -hmm. uh, what's it, CrossFit Northeast, now that's mm -hmm. his name. Um, but we were buddies and he introduced me to, to CrossFit then I was like, oh man, this is what I got to do. Cause I was kind of questioning, mm -hmm. do, be a PE teacher or the uh, physical therapy or whatever I was thinking of. And I found that I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to open a box. And, uh, so I ended up moving to, to Albany, did an internship up here at Albany CrossFit when it was owned by uh, Jason Ackerman and, uh, started my career there. He took me on as a full-time I'm a full-time coach, his first full-time coach. And, um, and then we ended up opening a gym a few years later. Um, and then I took over that whole uh, entity and then um, with a new, a different business partner. And we created more of a wellness center. I had disaffiliated from CrossFit at that point. 
And um, we tried to, we had more of like an all-inclusive kind of thing. We had chiropractic care, we had massage, took care of nutrition, the whole bit. Um, And we did that. I had that for probably what, seven, I had had the gym for seven, eight, nine years, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, And now I've just transitioned more towards helping other business owners and executives kind of live their best life, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) But in all those times, a lot of it, you know, I did my own journey within uh, trying to be a competitive crossfitter. That was very short lived. Uh, (laughs) I learned a lot of tough lessons within all that stuff about, you know, what is wellness? What is health? What is, what is life to me? What is happiness to me? Okay. uh, But that's where I find myself now. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's the natural progression is to start, you know, we talk about quite a bit how fitness sort of leads us into those deeper questions, right? Like, um, it's all fun, you know, lifting weight and moving fast and, and looking good and it's all great, but it just starts to, from many of us, at least opens up more questions of what are we working towards and what do we really want and what is this all about? Um, so uh, real just quick though, I wanted to ask, is, what, is there a short version of an explanation of why you disaffiliated from CrossFit? A short version? Um, so Jay and I had a fallout and then I okay. kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. I was kind of like pissed with anything that anything and everything at that time. Okay. Um, Jason and I have since rekindled our friendship and we're like, we're great friends now. He actually helped me start the podcast and whatnot. He's actually, he and I co-hosted it for the first like 10 episodes. Um, but yeah, I was just at a time in my life where I was like, something about it wasn't all adding up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a bit of a, I felt like at that time also there was like a super strong focus on just competitive mm-hmm. CrossFit. And I was at a crossroads of like, do I care enough about trying to be an athlete or do I care more about coaching people with their life and their health? Right. And I also was just questioning my life in general. Like, what do I want for myself? Where, mm-hmm. where am I going with this whole thing? And, um, so it just didn't line up with exactly where I was in my life. Got it. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of the hindsight 2020, but in the yeah. moment it probably is more fueled by just piss and vinegar if I'm completely yeah. honest with myself. So, <laughs> and no fault to, to anybody else. I'm just like, it's my own. Like I didn't know how to, that was just what I, I needed. I knew I needed something different. Um, yeah. And it took me a long time to kind of come to grips with like, what were the things I needed to take with me and what were the things that um, were left in that point in my life. So, yep. um, those are kind of some of the life lessons that came through that, that juncture right there. Okay. Yeah. That's very similar to me. And most of the sense I've made out of it as well is in hindsight also. And I, but I was similarly bitter for a few years. Um, I think I just watched, you know, watching what I had, you know, CrossFit, which I had come to love over these years. And, you know, was this, you know, I was involved in the movement of it really from, from its infancy throughout to the explosion and then all of a sudden it like took a pretty sharp turn towards like very competitive mainstream, you know, Reebok stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff changed. And I was like, I felt like I was losing. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just wasn't, I couldn't make sense of it. Like you said, but I wasn't happy with where it was going and how I was feeling and all that stuff. But so anyway, thanks for sharing that. I was just kind of curious. Um, so let's um, actually on, on that topic though, with, with fitness, Sure. So what is, what does fitness look like for you currently? Like, what is your practice kind of, you know, generally speaking? Uh, it's really simple nowadays, actually. Okay. Um, I had actually put on a bunch of weight 
ironically enough, owning a gym, I became really resentful of fitness in general. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of hated exercise and I kind of openly would say it, which was not super great considering I owned a quote unquote gym. But um, I got tired of just like beating my body up for mm-hmm. what seemed to be like a very asinine reason. Um, so ironically, right before the pandemic happened, uh, I was already kind of just coming to peace with myself um, and like changing some of my practices, being a little more mindful about like what I was eating and how I was going about things. Um, and then during that time, I just kind of went back to the basics. I was like, well, what, what would it take for me to just like respect my body? So it started with just walking, taking my dog for a walk and, mm. and then working out in my living room. It's like four by six space with mm. like a couple dumbbells. And, you know, to my perspective, I got in the best shape of my life using one set of dumbbells and walking in my park and then kind of slowly got into running in the park and just like saying hi to people and just enjoying this time alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I still use some of like the constantly varied principle idea, but for me, I have like three days and I just continually rotate them every day. My, my, my approach is move every day mm-hmm. and I'll do some type of resistance training so there'll be like an upper body focus or a lower body focus or a core kind of mm-hmm. whatever focus kind of thing whatever that means and i just continually rotate that abc abc like all over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. and then i get like steps in place um and it's more about like what i asked myself was what do i enjoy and then how do i do it and i don't i rarely if ever dip into like more than 70, 75% effort on anything. Mm-hmm. I just do it every day. Right. It's better just feeling good. Um, and what I started to notice, and I spent a lot of time doing mobility and I, and I do a lot more like meditation and breathing exercises, things like that. Um, and it's a lot less stressful in terms of mm-hmm. like feeling like I have to do something. It's mm-hmm. more like I get to be here. I get to just like check in mm-hmm. with my body. Um, and, and it's less stressful physically as well, right? It's like, it's not, you know, cause uh, when we're approaching it this way, it's, it's not this, okay, I got, I have to go do this. I got to push myself. I got to beat this time. I got to hit this weight. And you know, we're, so we're, we're going into it in like a high stress state and then we're beating ourselves down physically in that state. So this approach is much, much lower stress. And yeah, that's just what I started asking myself. Like, what could I do for the rest of my life? Mm. I, I like to look good naked mm-hmm. and i'm cool with that like that's fun i also think i should respect my body i know there's some basic principles in here but like they the return on investment for me lifting super heavy or anything like that regularly is relatively low for what my needs are in my life um and i mean i can dip into that as long as i maintain a, a baseline mm-hmm. i could still walk in i mean i haven't touched a barbell in probably i don't know a year and a half maybe longer mm-hmm. now right. and it's just the way I looked at it. It's like, oh, it, it doesn't have to be all this. Could I probably lift, you know, 80, 85% of the weight that I used to be able to without just like showing up and doing it? Sure. But I, I mean, I put in plenty of volume, plenty of time around that to be able to do that. But now it's about just keeping it moving and just asking myself, like, what do, what does my body need? And what does, like, what does my day to day entail? And it's, you're right. Like, I'm not chasing some score. I do not care. It's about me checking the box on doing what I needed to do for me that day. And that pressure of trying to like live up to, you know, in a gym, there's a lot of this 
people don't think about it, but it's like big, a massive sociological experiment of like, how do people interact next to each other? This person's doing this. I want to beat them, whether people want to say it or not, like that's pretty hard. And until you've gone to a true like level of expert where you can control that, sometimes that could be, it can be great to get people like motivated to do something, but that can mm. also serve as a double-edged sword because people base all of their self-worth on yes. how they, how they level up to somebody and like, great. Somebody lifted 10 more pounds than you. Does, mm -hmm. it, does it make you any more happy? Does it get you any more laid in your relationships? Does right. it get you any more fulfillment at your job? No, it, it doesn't. So, you know, you have to look at the bigger picture of what yeah. health is and what your purpose is. Um, and it, once I kind of came to terms with that, I was like, who am I impressing? And that, that once that burden came off my shoulders, you know, I, I think forever, I will always grapple with some of that, but, um, it was a, it's a more of a, a conversation as opposed to a dictation of it has to yeah. be this okay. all the time. Um, right. and so a lot more curiosity of just like exploring my body and just seeing like, what can it do yep. in a, in a fun way? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And there's a good point you made there about, you know, the environment in the gym and specifically in like a CrossFit setting or competitive, you know, with a timed workout type setting. Um, I think they can be toxic, right? And like you said, somebody could be walking out of the gym feeling defeated and, and upset purely based on their performance compared to someone else's performance, right? Meaning, you know, so the, the other people in the class are dictating those feelings. Like if that person went into that exact same workout in the exact same way and, you know, they, let's say, beat everybody, quote unquote, or whatever, compared to having one or two people there that beat them, can have a, a, a tremendous impact, you know, um, psychologically, and make them, you know, and, and we're missing the point, defeating the purpose of leaving the gym feeling worse and more stressed, and maybe something's wrong, maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not able to keep up, like I'm, I'm, I'm plateauing, and, and then all the mind games that come with that. So, yeah, that's a really interesting, really interesting thought there. And then, um, I want to just quickly add the first thing you said about walking, you know, keeping it simple, working out in your living room, walking. And I'm going to guess if you were like me over the years that you would have thought that that was crazy. Like you, you can't, that's not fitness. That's not, you're not going to, you're not getting anything out of that. And I used to obsess over needing to be on some, you know, high level program, you know, very structured two times a day if I could or whatever. And it was like, if I couldn't do that, I like, it wasn't worth doing anything. Like, like, you know, the walking, you know, like going for a walk or a jog or just doing something at home quickly in my living room, like that, that's pointless, right? Like that's not fitness. It's, you know, I need to be, have, I need a barbell. I need a clock. I need the music. I need, you know, and it was so silly because I was, wasn't, <laughs> I was rarely able to stick on, stick to a, a structured program like that anyway. So, and since I wasn't able to do these, was refusing to do the simple, simple things, I was doing nothing most of the time. And like you said, even being in the gym and owning a gym, I started hating <laughs> exercise. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so I just wanted to, to touch on that quick. Thank you. So, yeah. um, so transitioning. So as you know, you know, we are fitness, a fitness brand, but we focus on what mostly primarily what happens outside of the gym, the other 23 hours of the day. So yeah. um, I wanted to ask you, um, a little bit about some of the things that you do in your life outside of the gym. So is there anything, you know, that you consider vital to your health and happiness that you do in say maybe your morning routine or night routine or meditation practice or anything like that, that you would like to share? I've been big into the Wim Hof thing recently. Okay. Um, 
I've undergone quite a few different like journeys within the health thing. I, I do like to use myself as a bit of an experiment. Um, right now, it's been more of like the breathing practices and, and checking in on that currently. Um, but I like to take a more of a bigger picture approach. Like how are how are the other factors of my life affecting me? And I, especially since I associate a lot of like my value with the work that I get to do, um, because like that's what drives me. I really like how I want to leave my mark. Um, I always have to check in on that, like where that's really going. So having a practice where I am able to assess where that's going, and it's not necessarily always like journaling in a very formal sense, but making time for me to just sit and think. Yeah whether you want to call that meditation or not, mm-hmm. that's, I do. You know, it, it, it could be that, you know, sometimes it is on a, on a, my run. Like that's mm-hmm. what it is. But um, I take like a friend of mine, we did it all through pandemic. We would just, we walked, we just went through the park together at the end of the day, even if I already went for a run, we would just walk. And sometimes it was quiet. Like it was silent. We just walked by like side by side with each other mm-hmm. and not talk at all. And that was cool. And other times we would have these like profound conversations um, so for me, my practice is more about like figuring out how to connect either with my, my own thoughts or connect mm-hmm. with the other people that, that are going to challenge me to go inward. Um, mm-hmm. that kind of in turn challenges me to like really ask myself, what's, what's always important. What am I doing today? That's important. That's actually going to matter a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, who am I investing my energy and time into? Um, that's super important to me. Um, but for me, the way I kind of look at things is I look at the balance of health, wealth, and relationships, like the three things that, that are like the key, these cornerstones of my life. I tend to assess those every quarter. And then I ask myself, which is the priority right now? Like which needs the most growth or attention or whatever it is. And then I ask myself, what are the other things like that I need to do to maintain at least stability in the other two, because I can mm-hmm. make one the priority and I can make the other one that's like, that's where I'm going to optimize. And the other ones are just like, you got to hold the line. So if I need to make a big push in business, I make sure like, okay, what do I need to do with my wife? Like, how do I check in? How many date nights mm. do we need to have? Whatever that is. How, what does health look like? So, you know, sometimes I'm measuring and weighing my food more just because I'm wanting to be more organized with my health and that helps me stay structured. Other times it's like, I'm going to use more intuitive eating practices for mm-hmm. that. Um, but it's never like a hard and fast thing. It's saying, what are the strategies I'm going to use at this period of my life based on what I am deeming this this priority to be um and just leaning back on what i know i can i can sustain so there's not a lot of like hard fast rules but um it's a lot of it's a lot of checking in with myself and asking myself what matters and um making sure i make time for me to again just think i really love just like letting my brain go off into la la land and like just see where that goes Hmm. uh and i find a lot of people actually don't give themselves permission to do that Uh, i like to go into that dream world and just Mm -hmm. see where it takes me and then i Mm -hmm. like piece together things to come back to where i'm at right now um that's just that's just a lot of well that's why we get along (laughs) yeah i would stay i i have trouble getting out of that dream world like making myself come back i'm like no i want to stay here and just daydream and think about think big picture all day right Um, that's why i mean that's one of the the most important things that I keep in check is like, who's around me. There's a, a, a chosen few people that are like the ones who keep the rails on for me that say like, by the way, are you holding up this end of the bargain? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's not about pleasantries and anything. That's just be direct with me. Tell me what's real, whether it's my wife or 
couple friends that are uh, that they've been in the shit with me. Like, those are the people that I I want to be just direct with me. I don't need to I don't need it sugar coated. I just want it direct, mm. saying this is the hard feedback that I'm seeing, and hold me accountable to that. Mm. Uh, and I'm just very intentional about who's in my circle based off right. of my values and whatnot. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah. You said a few things there. Um, so first of all, yeah. Meditate. We consider anything where you just are alone with your own thoughts. We, we call that meditation here. And that's, like you said, a lot of times people that we have trouble giving ourselves permission to go there and, or just creating time, carving out time in our day, just to do that, just to do nothing, like have the phone away have you know screens away you know any kind of input right because we always want to have something even if and i'm the same way like i get in the car like i want to hear a podcast i want to have like input i want to be learning i want to be reading before bed you know it's always coming in coming in but we want to have this time where we just um you know block out any external input turn the mind off and allow it to soften and kind of go into the what we call you know the yin receptive energy and just you know in that meditative and then and and you know, funny enough, that's when we actually receive a lot of the, the real answers we need and the real information that we're looking for. Um, it's not in the books or in the podcast. It's in, already in us. We just have to let ourselves hear it. Um, so that was a, that was a good point there. Um, cool. Yeah. And uh, was there anything else that like is specifically like uh, any like kind of more tangible things that you, you do in the morning or night that you find uh, helpful? I mean, I'm pretty routine with my morning. Like I'm going to have my same coffee every morning with the, mm -hmm. my collagen peptides and I have a bar or whatever. Um, I'll routinely like do some type of fast at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm a big fan of that from a more, I'll call it a spiritual approach. I don't think that's just something that people should just necessarily do for a purely physical thing. Right. Um, I, I think that it's part of the, I'm, I'm removing external variables like you just talked about um, and letting letting the like, kind of like the inner truth shine through but you've been ignoring it for a while mm -hmm. um but that's kind of like my morning thing i try to be cool about mellowing out in the evening and not like scheduling my day in a way where i i say like here's the hard stop on this and like i'm making time for that so i'm being a little more intentional about where my time goes um i'm not always the best that i'll admittedly say because i like to feed off of a lot of people's energy so that mm -hmm. Um, that tends to be where I struggle. And once I have momentum, I, uh, hate stopping in, in any way, shape or form. That's something I, that's a, a constant battle for me. So, um, admittedly, I'm not, <laughs> I have not even gotten close to perfecting that, but it is something that's on my mind when, um, when I start to feel like that sense of overwhelm, it's just being willing to check in with that. So mm -hmm. the tangible thing is I'll set a quarterly intention and then I'll check in again and see where it is. That's, that's really what it is it comes down to i have a journal to like a, a, a kind of like my health metrics journal that when i was still okay. doing health health coaching i use it for myself um it's basically just a spreadsheet that's you know whether it's got macros for that that quarter or not or if it's got how much i'm sleeping or my did i do my mobility it's a lot i made it very much into a game where it's like if i did it it's green if it didn't do it red and like mm. it's staring me in the face mm -hmm. um so to some effect, I think people journaling is, uh, it's, it's one of the most powerful things you can have because it's the closest you can get to becoming a third party objective viewer on your life. And, and, mm -hmm. and when you can do that, you can remove a lot of like the, the, 
kind of the foggy emotions, the things that are clouding our judgment. And what can we get back to like the truth? So mm. journal, journaling allows us in some way, and that's journaling is different for everybody. You know, yeah. Some people just painting, you know, like that might be their sense of expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it, it tends to be, did I at least check the boxes on a lot of health stuff? And then I'll put some type of qualitative, what, it, what the hell went on today in my mm-hmm. life uh, to go along with that. And it's not, there's, I, I don't, beyond just like checking the box on the health stuff, I try not to make too many rules around that mm. uh, because uh, when I feel like things are too rigid, then I, I want to blow things up like in my yep. world. So like it tends to be like, I, I reject, I reject that kind of control. So right. exactly. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right. So I want to talk about, so we, you know, like I said, um, I was a guest on your show, you know, we, we quickly touched on some of the stuff you're, you're, been working on and talking about and thinking about and you know i was like all right we got kind of heavy on our on our show and one of the terms that you had mentioned to me um you called it uh culture culture coaching and i was like immediately intrigued like hmm that's interesting i'd like to hear more about that so um could you just give us a little explanation of like you know what that means exactly culture coaching is really taking a overarching look at like what is the values and the kind of the communication patterns for an, any organization, whether it's a family unit or a, a business or a nonprofit or a school or whatever. It's, it's looking at how do you express the values of, of what you hold dear. And that was something that was very sensitive to me. Yeah, I, I expressed to you, I, you know, for a long time, I just kind of like one of my openers, a lot of people like, hey, I grew up in a cult. And usually it gets people's accept or like curiosity goes like that, or they don't believe me or they like, whatever that is. Well, um, I was the first one the curiosity. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. It usually gets something like that. And, you know, I use sometimes use harsher words like that. And it depends on how somebody wants to look at something. I, I've come to soften on my approach on, on that, or at least my perspective on it. Um, and I come, I believe that everything is a cult. Like people don't mm-hmm. want to think about, it. I think we have an, uh, as a culture of the United States or the Western culture, we are fascinated by cults because why? Um, for me, you know, you can call it a church, you can call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's the perspective of who is uh, viewing it, right? If you're mm-hmm. in it, you'd be like, this is my church. This is my, this is my belief system. This is whatever. If you're on the outside and you see, think it's not working, then you use the term like cult. Um, Exactly. So that's where I, ch- I changed a lot of my vantage point because I actually have a pretty good relationship with my, my parents. I came to terms a lot. I'm actually quite grateful for a lot of my upbringing now. Um, and again, they're just terms, however you want to look at it. But everything is a, from one perspective or another is a cult. There's a, mm-hmm. like a routine set of behaviors. There's like an attire that comes with it. And mm-hmm. then, like, there are some things that are expressed consistently mm-hmm. at the root of everything. And if we can become very intentional about how we're going about it, and we can at least understand that, we can best communicate our message. Yeah. Um, and I think, especially when you look at something like a business, I think that's I think business is like the greatest personal development tool on the planet. Yes. Uh, because if your culture is out of whack and your behaviors are out of line, and if you're whatever, you'll see your bottom line immediately get affected, whether mm-hmm. people want to admit to it or not. Um, and often it's really a, it's a trickle down representation of what's going on at the top. And I can see from my own, like from my own life, one, 
when I was out of whack, when I didn't have my energy balance and I was feeling a little bit scarce for resources or feeling like I was under attack for whatever reason might be, whether it was just some construct in my head or it was reality, I was less empathetic. I did not listen as well. I did not, I did not um, support, I didn't show up the way I needed to. And I would immediately see whether it was friction with my staff or would see, um, you know, whether I lost clients or I wasn't able, I saw sales diminish, whatever it was. I was like, oh, it's, it, it has to do with me not living in alignment with what I, what I want, or I don't even know what I want. I don't know how to communicate what, what matters to me. So mm-hmm. in, in essence, it's just understanding coaching. It is about to like, how do you go back to the leadership? Um, and on every level, because even the person who directly deals with the consumer, you're in a leadership role. A client's even in a leadership role because communicating back to the head of an organization is part of a leadership mm. uh, position, right? And we think of this so much as like this, top-down strength structure, kind of like I rule the thing. It's like, no, you don't. You're, mm. you're, everything is an ask. Coaching is an ask. Leading is an ask because short of like literally manually making somebody do something, you, you can't. You have right. to ask them and you have to influence them. Yes. And the best way to influence is to ask, is to allow somebody to reflect within themselves and say, this is the best choice. Um, so, I mean, I like to start with a lot at the top of saying like, Who's the person in charge? Where do we, what, what do you guys care about? And what matters to you? What's the goal of this organization? Where are you going with it? And let's take a look at your life as a whole, because you are the business. People are looking at you. If you show up and you look burnt out and you look fried and things are not going well at home and things are like your health is whatever, and your finances are out of whack. And, or you're just your, your distribution of your resources or your time is out of whack. Mm-hmm. People sense that. Now, some people are more in touch than others. Some people can be like, like for me, I'm very sensitive to that because I, mm-hmm. and you're probably very similar. It's like, basically my job is reading people's body language and like backtracking to, so what's the real problem? Like, mm-hmm. why, why is there other eyes just kind of like drooping a little bit? Like, why are they tired? Why are their shoulders really tense? Why do they clench their jaw? And it's, and, and it's an expression of that. Um, so, you know, physical stress has got people locked into certain positions and it's just reading that and saying like, well, where's that coming from? And if we can unwind that package a little bit and just get to the root of like, well, why do you feel threatened? Why do you feel like the system's not stable? Then we can discover, okay, what's the real problem? How do we fix that? And then you can go back to just doing what you said you really cared about. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially if you're, you're, say you're the CEO of an organization, your, your staff is your client. You're serving them. Yep. You're not, they're not serving you. It's the other way around. And you're, if you take good care of them, you're teaching your staff how to treat your clients. Mm-hmm. And they will then in turn, and it will just become this cyclical thing. And your clients will also learn how to communicate back with the organization. Like a perfect example for me is, like, I don't get bent out of shape people like, like with, with billing and all these other things, I had people that would just walk up to me in the gym at times and just be like, Oh, by the way, I need to pay you now. Like it's mm-hmm. my things coming up. I need to pay. You. I would never go chasing people down. I would, wouldn't worry about it just because like respect was a, was a thing in our culture. That was the most important thing. If we start there. Okay, cool. If you, I'm just going to breathe down somebody's neck and just look at them like a dollar sign every single time. Like I talk to them, mm-hmm. you know what? They're going to feel that. Yes. So if I focus on what they care about, they're more likely to care about what I care about. Yep. 
and that becomes kind of the long-winded answer to all of my thinking is that was thought that is culture coaching you know, I, I use the term here and there and I, I could you could insert business coaching you could insert executive coaching you can insert any one of those things it really comes down to getting clear on what you're doing for yourself and then what are you doing and how are you displaying that to your organization whatever right. in whatever capacity that is who are you responsible to yeah right that's awesome man thank you for that that clarification and i understand a lot better now and i agree with what you're saying there and it's like um one of our, our coaches matt and i were actually just talking about this recently about like that word cult and how it's the root word for culture and how you know everybody kind of looks at this you know it has such a negative connotation normally you know people use that word like cult that's a bad thing and really it's like what you know why it's a group of like-minded people with a like mi like-minded mission or like-hearted people on the same mission um and then yeah there's a, a just like basically like a framework of of the types of things that we just talk about and how we go about doing it and sort of who you know what roles different people play and how those things work and that's yeah, I mean, I guess you could call it a cult, but like, you know, the idea is we were talking about the idea of kind of embracing that a little bit and the fact that, yeah, our organization has a, as a culture and what we're trying to do here is, um, you know, we're trying to um, be a catalyst for major change within the industry. And it's going to, you know, that never happens without doing things um differently than most of the other people around but doing them in, in a very specific way like people used to call crossfit a cult all the time and they were kind of right right you know what i mean and they even talked about it they like in what was that movie uh every second counseling john wellborn says mm -hmm. he did he, he went down the line of it it's like yeah it is and everything is i think a lot of people when it starts to get the negative connotation it's this sense and so, what i've come to learn when somebody gets really angry or like pissed off at something it's usually like a insecure reflection of something that's like deep down within ourselves like for yeah. me when i would just get bothered with whomever it's like oh i'm actually angry at me because either i want that i'm envious of it whether it's the acceptance or not or something else mm -hmm. and I, you know it's just it's a it's a figurehead of it or it's a symbol of it right. um i think where organizations go off go wrong is usually like there's this sense of like i have to be in control and it's like mm -hmm. you weren't you weren't in control in the beginning so that's especially when you grow and you're like how do you manage these these new variables i think that's where people struggle in that thing to me it's like if you don't agree with that i'm saying like it's okay you don't you don't have to that's cool like, you can right. go that way i think sometimes the shunning and the shame stuff that's surrounded around that i think that's not always described properly right. um and i think sometimes the that second level maybe sometimes like the higher level usually understands like just let them go but sometimes it's that it's like it's like in um there's the dunning kruger effect it's like that middle of the road somebody who's like got enough knowledge but they they're not like they're not truly an expert they haven't gotten over the hump of certain things they're actually yeah. the most they're the most dangerous because what i find is like they realize this certain system works yeah. but they think like that's the only answer yes. that's not that's not the only answer it just yeah. happens to be the thing that worked for them mm -hmm. that when you're in that place and I have been there because I mm -hmm. certainly ruffled some feathers. There's plenty of people who don't like me because of my lack of understanding this when I was in this phase, you become a little preachy and you mm -hmm. become a little bit of like that, like almost dictator because like, it's like, this is the way and the only yes. way. Yes. 
if we can learn how to communicate from the beginning of like, this happens to be a way we're going to go about it. Mm -hmm. I think that, and this is a general framework about how we approach solving this problem. Go, go figure that out. Go test that out. You should go test that against something else. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, That's funny. We're bringing this up right now because I've talked with a friend of mine the other day about something like, uh, I think something like Romspringa is one of like the most brilliant ideas of like, I, I'm sorry, I missed what you said. What what was it? Romspringa, like with the what is it? The um, uh, what am I, I think of like what's the the Amish? There we go. Okay. So they, they they go off and then they have this like time where they're before I think it's like they're 17 or 18. It's like a rite of passage, hmm. and they have no rules for the first time in their okay. life. And if they come back, they're accepting that they're 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 signing up for all the rules that come with. Right, 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 right. But it's allowing you to go into this moment in your life and say, like, I'm going to see how this lines up. Go test yeah. it. See what mm. you're doing with it. Um, but when you come back, you come back with this new, a deeper, a, a different sense of conviction or a different sense of understanding. Mm. You, have to, you have to test your beliefs. And it's a curiosity, right? Yeah. You know, for a long, and I think that proactive sense of, we're going to go hands off for a while. And that's got to be scary. I can't imagine for like a parent who's like, their kid's going to go off, but like, if they're done, they don't come back. Like they're done. They're not coming back. Yeah. That's a hard place to, to be of like, of course. hoping that, that what you brought to the table, but I mean, from what I've gathered, that's a pretty high, like return to that culture. Um, but you start to value the things that were part of that. Mm. I, I understand I think, them better. Right. Yeah. Cause like, you know, like I'm guessing in a culture like that, um, I'm sure in those those kids, the upbringing there, they may not have a lot of sense of what goes around on around outside there, but they do know. They probably know enough to know that it's a, it's very you know, it's restrictive compared to what most of us live in. And I'm sure that they have this yearning to at least experience that other side and see what it's about. And I wasn't actually familiar with this, but that's a really I I, I think that's an awesome. Um, uh, practice or protocol or whatever you would want to call it, where they actually then get to go out and experience it fully. Otherwise, if they never got that chance, there's going to be built in resentment. There's going to be rebellion. There's going to be, you know, all that kind of stuff. And to be able to say, Hey, no, go, go, go feel it, go test it, go learn experience. And then it's up to you. Um, That is very, very freeing and liberating. But, you know, like you said, I can imagine that the return rate is very high. Because they had the chance to go and and experience it with sort of like without the, um, you know, that you have to come back kind of thing or you have to do it a certain way. And uh, they then come back with a new appreciation of, oh, now I get why we do things the way we do here because yeah, <laughs> it's a little different out there. Well, it was the same thing with, so for me, I was supposed to, I was talking about this yesterday on other podcasts was like, I was expected to have uh, an arranged marriage, or at least that was what I felt like I had to do. And from what I've gathered, things have changed a little bit over the past decade or so. Um, but I was 17, like, I, I was like, I don't agree with this stuff. And there was certainly like separation and consequences and things of that nature. But I've gone down this whole path in my own life of where I was the one responsible, where I was the one in charge for other people's health and well being and other things of that nature, thinking about like, being the leader of a business and thinking about having to provide for other people. And I started to see how certain structures, as you're talking about, how that happened to be like the, the, in the 
Amish culture, but for my own culture, like, well, how do you create organization? You start to understand why it's there, but sometimes you have to understand that maybe it's how it's being communicated that needs to be massaged into a yes. different way. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's about how you're setting expectations saying, yes, at this moment, you're going to go test this. And I think if we don't test our, I mean, I think faith is really just an action. It is a, it's a testing of our beliefs and we're going to see, can it withstand that? And if we're not proactively stress testing our systems, our foundation, how do you know if it's really strong? And mm -hmm. it should be also okay of like, I'm going to test this and I can also learn something. How do we tweak this? Because mm -hmm. there's no perfect system. There is mm -hmm. the, the system that is contextually appropriate for right now. And then, you know, as times change and technology changes in the world and like where we are changes, you have to tweak it again. And it, mm -hmm. it never, it's a, it's this constantly adapting and evolving system that has to be individualized to to the size of the like if to one-to-one -to, -one, to like a smaller community or even to like a, a, a bigger sense of the whole united states like that's a cult the cult mm -hmm. of the u.s like, it is it's a mm -hmm. whole culture how are we adapting that and i think you know without going too far off the deep end with politics and whatnot like it's, it, it kind of shows at times there's a lot of uncertainty so yeah. how are we figuring out some of those things and having that conversation and saying we're going to test this right now we're going to test our metal on something. We're going to go through this trial and tribulation moment, mm -hmm. and then we're going to reassess. We're going to come back and say what worked, what didn't, um, and then we'll use these new rules, and we're going to see how those work. Yes. And, and it's it's never hard and fast. It's just saying like this is the kind of like the rigidly flexible um, framework that we can work within. Um, I find that to be less confining. I think that gives yeah especially when you're thinking like a bigger organization that like gives a little more breathing room, a little more flexibility. Yeah. And I think everybody really at the, sense, at the end of the day wants a sense of autonomy. Mm -hmm. Most people think we want a lot of choices. Like, no, you don't. You want the, I, you want the perception of choice. Yes. Like yeah, right. why we want to be like this, it's price one or price two. Like here's option A, option B. Yeah. It's simple. It's, it's binary. That's easier. It's when we have like 19 choices to make. Yeah, like, get I don't know what to do. Yeah. You don't know what to do, right? And anybody who's like been in business where you had to sell something, you re eventually realize having a long laundry list of things is usually the first thing you start to change when you're trying to like clear up your message. Here's yes. the solution we provide. Do you want it in like a payment plan or a paid in full? Like that's yes. a, how do you want to go about like, but this yes. is what the problem is. Um, I, I relate a lot of things to sales and-, and Yes, and so do I. Right, because, and for anybody who get, doesn't like the word sales, if you just think of selling as a conversation and a- con mm -hmm conveying belief because um, you are exchanging something whether it's exchanging money or exchanging a, a belief you're trying to influence the other side to buy in on some sense mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's the exchange happens to come with a financial component right. so, yeah you're enrolling them you're enrolling them in a vision you're enrolling them in, a, in an idea or a solution to their problem you know yeah. you're basically selling them on the idea that this vision that this is the the answer um, or that you at least believe that this would be the best you know, the best option for them. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's enrolling isn't just enrollment. Isn't just exchanging credit card information, right? It's, it's, it, we're enrolling people all the time in say we're selling people all the time on our vision, our ideas and all these kinds of things. So I'm selling my wife every day. I'm like not leaving me because yeah. you know, uh, 
I still don't know why she's with me at times. She's like, I, I don't know what I did right at times, but th that, that's something that is when people talk about things, I always refer to the, like the idea of always be dating because you need to continually check in with your significant other. You need to see how are they doing? They are going through new changes in their life. How are you reconnecting? People forget that and they, people are blown away when they're like, how did, how did, why did they get divorced? Well, they probably didn't talk to each other for five, 10 years. Like, you know, yeah. shit got busy. They had kids, they had jobs, they had things. And if they didn't practice that checking in either, and what I would say, you have to first check in with yourself, but then you have to check in with the people that you want to keep around. That's that, that very minute, like gap in the beginning becomes this huge, yes. huge insurmountable gap that eventually just leads to, you know, whatever we, we want, where we right. grew apart, that kind of thing. So, yeah, exactly. And uh, practice is the practice is the right word there. It's you literally have to go and practice being in a happy marriage. If you want a happy marriage, you have to practice being participating and being active in a happy marriage every day. Exactly. Um, so exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you can see, like I associate all, I try to look at the overarching concepts between those three, like again, health, wealth, and relationships. I try to look at the overarching concepts and the framework and the values of those things, the principles because if you can apply them all, all three of those things, it, it just makes sense. It, it, mm -hmm. It's not like it has to just fit for this thing. It has yeah. to be able to adapt. Otherwise, I find that uh, a philosophy tends to be quite fragile if it can't be, um, it can't be implemented in another uh, venue in your life. Right. 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 Exactly. Awesome. And great stuff there. Um, yeah. So, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you to kind of finish up here is, you know, we obviously we're both in the coaching space and we understand the power and potential power of a coach to, to impact and fundamentally change people's lives. Um, we've had most of our experience in fitness, but you know, now we're both sort of, you know, we've gone beyond that. Um, so I wanted to ask, are there anything that you're seeing, because we talk about this quite a bit of the changes in the health and fitness coaching space and how it's evolving. Um, I wanted to know if there was any thoughts that you had on any, you know, paradigm shifts or changes you see coming into the health and fitness coaching space? I think we're amidst the, that's a great question. I think we're amidst the first part of it where obviously the pandemic pushed it into the forefront that it was going this direction anyway, but a lot of stuff's going to go remote. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people get like coaches specifically get bent out of shape around that because like it has to be in person. Mm, doesn't, not really. I think a lot of people get caught up in the how and I was that for a long time. And when you get caught up in that, you, you have these hard, rigid beliefs of like why a client can't get success and you're not thinking creatively. So I think the pandemic broke that big, a big portion of that belief of realizing uh, we need to not only have a business that can withstand something like that, but there are more than one way to actually help clients. Um, so the remote movement is fully underway um, but I think what you're really going to see next uh, is the fact that a lot of people don't actually know what coaching really is. And it's more of a conversation than it is anything. Because mm -hmm. when it, you really boil it down to what a client usually wants, it's like, I want to just feel good and look good naked and like be able to do a couple things with my family. And there is, I have yet to meet a person who does not know how to go lose weight right now. It's mm -hmm. always like, Here's the five things you need to do. Drink more water, mm -hmm. more vet protein, eat more vegetables, you know, get more sleep and walk more. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. It's more, well, what's really standing in the way of you not doing that consistently? And 
part of what coaching is, is just being, is just showing up and mm -hmm. being willing to ask the same, more often than not the same questions over and over again and holding space. I find that coaches are going to have to learn that far more. They try to do too much. They still do that crash diet. Like here's this super elaborate meal plan and the super elaborate training program. And like, they don't need that. There are 99% you know, of people are massively overwhelmed in their life already. Giving mm -hmm. them some laundry list of things is not, it might be successful for a week, but they will be burnt out and they won't yes. follow it after that. Right. Um, but learning how to have an actual conversation and making their own kind of environment, wherever that is, just maybe sometimes within their own head, being able to have a real conversation and making them feel safe within themselves they all of a sudden open up this amazing world to start questioning what they're doing on the regular on their own without you there. Yes. And yes, I think the result of all that is coaches will need to start to come to terms with the idea that you're like, you should be okay with your clients. You be, like there's an end point and you like, let go of them yes. and they, they graduate beyond you, you know, mm -hmm. whether that means you like, you have to then have a new part of a system to upgrade them into like, you want to be a coach, you want to do your own thing, like that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But, um, I find that a lot of these systems make you make the coach super, um, integral to the, the success of everything mm -hmm. long-term and they become actually the crutch. And I think that's yes. usually an, an insecurity of the coach. So my hope is that by having to simplify this delivery system, I mean, I did more, I did 15 minute coaching calls with people once a week. And the rest of it was the, the client was responsible for it. That was my final bit in health. That's it. That's all we did. But it was about having a meaningful conversation, checking in, and then like working through that. And people got to do what they wanted to do, as opposed to me telling them what I want them to do, because yes. I think that's the best thing that's ever happened. No, mm -hmm. if they're going to do something for the rest of their life, it should probably be what they care about. Yep. Um, and helping and them get clarity on that. Like you're essentially guiding them on the understanding of what do they really want to do the rest of their life? Like where, what are they going towards and why, yeah. why do you want to go there and helping them see it clearly for themselves. And then, you know, kind of just sort of lighting the path for them along the way, as opposed to saying, okay, here, take this, do this every day, handing them the answers, so to speak. Um, Absolutely. Sorry to cut you off there, but it's just okay. it's a really important point. I think that's great. And that's one aspect of it. I think, the secondary piece is for at least like the micro gym kind of person. I think it's going to, when there is going to be in-person stuff, I, uh, I think there's going to be more of like a semi-private feel for, I think there is value to like mm -hmm. an in-person type of thing. Um, I think a lot of people that are going for an in-person experience are looking more for a small intimate group of people that they, that are very yeah. aligned with who they are. Uh, the big group dynamics are kind of, interesting around that um i think that that usually leads to a lot of spaces that can't be controlled super well by and large i'm not saying that it can't be pulled off but you know you can have a semi-private studio out of your garage and that's mm -hmm. super affordable for the the coach um so you basically can be like the leader of your very small club and you don't need to have a ton of clients to do that you just need to be right. able to ch charge more mm -hmm. and create those beautiful small small group experience semi-private experience still bolstered by a one-on-one -on -one coaching relationship yes uh, as that we kind of described there 
um, checking in that and that uh, things of that nature. But the the in person is more of this is how we happen to get one component of the puzzle done. I like to share space with other like minded people, and that yes. is part of my social component. It's not we happen to train, or happen to exercise as part of the social component, but it's not the thing. Yes. It is a piece of the bigger picture. Yes. Yes. Um, so with all of that, I think when it comes to in-person training, uh, it's going to have to push to a slightly higher end. I, I, I think that we've been playing in this middle of the road pricing structure for a long mm -hmm. time. And I, I don't see that as being a very feasible long-term strategy. Right. Um, and by middle of the road, I mean like that hundred to $200 a month kind of place um, because there's other places that are charging much less for just like a space to exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that's, while it's not bad, it's not, it's not actually solving the problem. The, yeah, the right. Exactly. And, and if you, and like you said, we're in this middle of the road, but um, you know, if you are working in person with people and actually helping them solve problems, you know, add true value to their life, things that affect them every single day of their life. Um, there's a, there's a high value. That's a high value service and a high value offer. So um, we as coaches need to stop pretending that it's not and, and own that it is. This is, yeah, this is what I'm doing here. And what I'm going to help you with is very, very valuable and can have massive impact across all areas of your life. 1000%. And I think one final piece to that, which is something that I think we all grapple with. I have yet to meet a coach that has not, you know, gotten super frustrated about seeing their clients' social media posts of like, well, you just spent $200, $300 on a, a night out drinking one night. And, and then like the two days later, like bought some shiny car or whatever. When you raise your rate and you charge an appropriate rate, you're, you're asking a client to actually value themselves and mm. say, I am going to choose between a, this like convenience lifestyle or yes. the life I want to really have. Yes. And that is just being willing to sit there in that space and say, this is what it is. You know, and there's plenty of people that are just, they make, they always say they're broke, but mm -hmm. they make far more money than the coach that's running the organization. Who's also spending a bunch of money on personal development, all the other things and yeah. making, making that a priority until you ask somebody else to make that a priority. They're, they're not going to, they're going to mm -hmm. only, they're going to change only a small piece of that. Right. Um, but it's that's part of the leadership piece, being willing to go there. And I, I, am saying firsthand, I was terrified to do that for a long time myself. So, um, I think where we're at in history, for better or worse, some of the things that happened, that's going to challenge us to go inward and say, hmm, what what difference am I really making in this, in all these relationships that I'm that I am I've put myself in the role of of leadership in. So, that's my hope at least. I, I could yeah. be way, way wrong. That's awesome, man. I love it. It was almost like what you said there about them valuing themselves. It's like it, it, it almost switches the script a little bit on the pricing structure of like, this is not about what I'm worth as a coach. It's about what you're worth as a person. Right. And um, how much do you value yourself? And I, I think that that's a really um, the way you said it there and kind of just even made more sense to me and clarified some things for me. Yeah. It's not about you know, what I'm going to give you specifically, it's about what you're bringing to yourself and how you're going to now start to, like you said, change your life from this convenience mode to this, you know, growth minded, um, uh, whatever the word would be, where you're going to actually commit to yourself and commit to your health and, and wealth and happiness and all those things. So um, yeah. that's really good there. It's awesome. And so many points in the last few 
um, in the last few minutes that I, I, I was going to chime in, but it was basically would have just been me agreeing with you and, and <laughs> saying how, how you're nailing it. Um, but yeah, you said some really awesome stuff there that I think is really valuable for anybody that's coaching right now in this industry in any capacity. Yeah. I even, this, this might be an interesting one for people to just chew on. For a long time, I started thinking about playing off of like a percentage of income model. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about it as tithing, right? So for anybody who's not familiar with what tithing is, is like you're giving, you're donating to whether it's like your church or your religious practice or to, to charity or something like that. You're giving, I believe it's 10% mm-hmm. of, of your income. That hurts, but it's because it's serving something bigger than yourself. Um, and it's, it's, it's like looking at the millionaire who gives $10 to, you know, some dude on the street versus like the, 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 the pauper who gives, you know, $1, which is all they have to, to help this one person. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've given almost everything for one of those people. It, it hurts a lot more, and, but there's so much more value behind that. And when you think about it from that perspective, I have this belief that it's probably around 10% because that hurts. You give, yeah. you give up 10% of your, your income for anything, uh, that it's relative. And I think that relative sense is what's super important. Are you not willing to give up 10% of your income for you improving? And especially if somebody says, everybody like, Oh, but I just want to make a difference in the world. I just want to take care of people. And da, 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 da. it's like, okay, well, you pay 10% to improve yourself every year. Mm, don't you think you're going to be in a far better place to be able to serve and show up those to, for those people who need you on a routine basis? Don't mm-hmm. you think you're going to be more reliable to do that? Uh, I just think people are a little bit scared to finally come to terms with like, that's what it is. And most people are influenced by, by money hurts, right? Because it takes time to accumulate this idea of what money is, right? It's, it's, right. Really, it's just a construct. It's just a symbol of trust. Um, but it's, it's, it forces people to commit something and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to finally make this problem. I'm going to make solving this problem, the priority. And then once that's done, you put it to bed and now you can move on to the next thing that you say you care about. But until you're done with this first thing, you can't go care about the other thing. You can't do the other thing to its fullest capacity. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever be able to pull off that tithing thing unless I just decide to classify as a church or something like that, which I also played around with, but, um, (laughs) I think it, it forces people, I think some people get a little sketched out about saying like, well, this is what I make every year, that kind of yeah. thing. But uh, maybe that's exactly what we need to do. Maybe I'm too afraid to even say like, this is the, the pricing structure I'm going to go with. But yeah, um, and some thoughts. I've, so I've thought about the same thing. And um, I think that there's, it's worth discussing more. Maybe we'll set up some time to talk about it in a little more detail because um, there's, uh, and it's funny, the 10% is the number that I always comes to mind for me as well. Cause it's like, yeah, it's a number that like, damn, 10% of my income, like that's a lot. But at the same time, it's like, is, is your health and happiness worth 10% of your income? Like, I hope that's a resounding yes. And for people who make really good money, it's like, wow, well that could be 30, $40,000 maybe, you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, if, if that's true, that means you make, you know, that means you have another, say it's, they make 400,000 a year and they pay 40,000. I mean, okay. So you have another $360,000 to get you by. You should be okay. Um, be is, right. working with, <laughs> is, is working with someone who's going to, you know, um, 
increase your your health and happiness and relationships across all in, in all directions is worth that that amount of money and still have another 360 grand or whatever to go live on i would think that that would be a yes and now you know for a coach there comes up a lot of things like you know how do i live up to that can i can i really help someone that much and this and that and all these other things but um, that's a separate conversation, I guess. And hopefully if a coach is, you know, really doing the things that, um, uh, you know, if they're leading their own journey and on their own path of growth, like you said, going out and developing themselves, then they should be able to, to, to step into that and live up to that, that role. So, um, yeah, I would love to talk to you more about that. Cause it's, it's been, it's something that's come in and out of my head many times over the years. Like I ultimately end up sort of dismissing, um, for probably some of the same reasons you do, but, that I think has, a, I think could have a place in this industry for sure. I would hope it does at some point. Uh, and maybe, maybe we, maybe we break ground on that. I know I, I know I struggle to like, well, what's the price of something? And it's like, I know it's completely relative to the person sitting across from me. Mm -hmm. the, the, the money, I mean, I know I need to, I'm not, I'm not out of my mind completely. I'm, I'm a little bit crazy, but I know like living in the real world, I need to have use money to pay for food and a house mm -hmm. and like all that other things. But um, to me at the end of the day, it's, it's, it needs to hurt enough on the other side mm -hmm. for you to, for you to like actually move. Now it's not to say like this should be excruciating no. and, and unbearable, but it needs to be enough to just challenge you to sit in that. And I think one more piece that you brought up in there, like for ironically for a lot of coaches, when you increase your rate, you're often have, you're actually challenged to do much less and that's incredibly difficult incredibly mm. difficult to just sit and hold space that is very very difficult yep. people think like oh you're doing nothing it's like no 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 my job here is to sit and listen to you and allow you the time and then ask very pointed direct questions towards you discovering the answer and that mm. is super hard because you have to just sit mm -hmm. often, often in silence <laughs> and i know for me like that was not easy to come to terms with so so yeah and i, I digressed it, a little bit there but no that's that and that's big because like high level coaching or high level mentorship and, and a lot of times uh, it is it's creating space and holding that space and in many ways helping them either just see the answers for themselves or Re relaying information they already know but in a way that just suddenly makes more sense or has more impact or they can see it differently where you're not literally sitting there and just teaching them lessons right you're like you're you're a lot of that time can be filled with silence or a call can just be essentially on like one thing that they have to go and and, and really change and take one action but it can be especially in a, someone if they're a, a business owner or an executive or whatever can have a massive ripple across so many areas of their life but yeah it's it is doing less it's it's doing much much less but it's it's much more pointed and focused and uh, impactful so um, i'm glad you said that and that that word you said in there ripple i think that's really really important because most people don't understand that that ripple for somebody who thinks they're going to spend 10 percent of let's call it they spend 30 grand on their health that year if you don't think that's not going to come back in terms of your revenue that you make, you're out of your mind mm -hmm. because now say every day you're showing up 1% better every day for 365 days, interacting with your staff, interacting with your family, interacting with your significant other, interacting with your clients. 
people are going to get a better version of you over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again. That's that business is predicated on trusting relationships. You mean yes. you showing up with a better relationship with yourself that leads to a better relationship with others is not going to improve your bottom line. Mm. And that's where people get so caught up in like, if it's not immediately directly like towards the, like you have to take a bigger picture look at this thing. So I love that you said the ripple effect. It, it does come full circle and I've tested this. Um, I mean, for a long time, I was spending a thousand dollars a month on my health and I didn't necessarily have a thousand dollars. I wouldn't say go the route I did, but I was certainly spending more than 10% of my income on, yeah. on, on my health. It helped my business mm-hmm. for sure. So that's, um, I think that anybody at that certain level, they're, they're, they are afraid to kind of veer away from it being directly financially related, at least on the surface. There's a guilt around making your health a priority, making your relationships a priority. Like right now, I'm in, my relationships are my priority in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you internally, I came off of a, a, my previous cycle was like growing the business. Right now, now feeling like, oh my God, I took the pedal off the, I took a little bit off the gas on like growing business. Is, is the money going to dry up? Is there going to be a problem? And I have to hit the, I believe I'm like, no, no, no. If I touch base with all the people that matter in my life and make sure that those are grounded and solid, it's going to come back full circle. And mm-hmm. from so, and you're, you strike me similar, similar, like that high performer thing in your head is like, I need to, I need to always like be pushing this thing forward, taking a slightly more, I wouldn't call it abstract route, also allows you to keep the rails on here and make sure that everything is still funneling towards the, the ultimate goal that you're looking at. You can't just look at it as just, you know, numbers on a spreadsheet all the time. Yes. Right. And I've been in similar positions where, you know, between the gym, you know, five, now five years ago, stepping away from the gym into where I am now, I've had some kind of ups and downs where I had long periods of time where I either um, wasn't even like, trying to make money. I took some time off, but then there was periods of time where I was building new, you know, this new business and all this, where I had long layoffs and having any income or, you know, very, very minimal income, just kind of doing some side training and things like that. And, um, but coming off of a time where, you know, I had the gym, I was making very good money, but like was, you know, falling apart at the seams, so to speak, emotionally, physically, emotionally, mentally, all these things. Um, during these past few years, I was spending, there was probably times where I was spending a hundred percent, close to a hundred percent of my income was on somehow directly related to my health, my emotional health, my mental health, my physical health, and like rebuilding myself, knowing 100% that that was an investment into the future of the, you know, the, all the, the business ventures that I, that I was on. And when you're tight on money and, you know, there isn't a steady or predictable, at least inflow coming in to think about putting all of that into, you know, investing into yourself. Like most people, that would be the first thing to go, right? It's like, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, pay for one-on-one coaching. I can't pay for, you know, multiple gym memberships, whatever the things were that I was um, deeming to be important. Most people, that's the first thing to go. And to me, it's the, 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 uh, the non-negotiable that I had to stay. Right. And um, it's uh it's but knowing again everything it's not it wasn't never ever ever an expense it was an investment every single step of the way so it's it always 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 comes back there at the end um cool man thank you so much that was uh really really um 
a lot of awesome stuff there, especially in the, this last little, you know, 20 minutes or so. I, it's something I want to go back and re-listen to myself and, and take some notes. I kind of jotted a few things down. And like you mentioned, a couple of things I'd like to maybe talk about more, more off air and, and hear some thoughts on as well. So um, yeah, man. I appreciate you, dude. So let's, let's hear a little bit about where we can find more, uh, hear more from you, things like that. Uh, well, people can always check out my uh, podcast. It's on Spotify and most of the other ones. I think it's on Apple or whatever. Just go to anchor.fm backslash Naked Sunday. That's where you can find Naked Sunday. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's leb in real life, L-E-B-R-E-A-L-L-I-F-E. Um, I think that's what it is. That's how you spell it, right? Make sure I'm right. Leb is my nickname. Um, so you can call me that and call me Caleb. It doesn't matter call me human being whatever it is um those are usually the two easy or you can friend me on facebook it's caleb nelson um i just love talking to people so you know people need help yeah call it culture coaching call it business consulting call it executive coaching kind of what i do but um everything i like to do is usually like it's custom to what you want as a human being there's i want people to be happy and love their life they're actually living and uh that's i do not want the square peg round hole feeling so that's kind of the same way we kind of had a normal conversation today it's how i treat pretty much every relationship i have going on in my life so that's something that uh, people want to connect on we can do that cool man awesome thank you so much and uh, i'll make sure i share all those links you know everything you just mentioned there in the show notes and um i look forward to hearing some of the reactions from this episode and you know we'll have to do this again absolutely thank you man See ya. there it is folks i hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as i did if the conversations on the show are stirring up feelings of serving a higher purpose of you know helping your clients truly transform their lives physically mentally emotionally and spiritually then it might be time to start listening to those feelings a little more closely Here at 023, we are building a tribe of holistic health professionals that are changing the industry in big, big ways. Some have said that we are turning the industry upside down, but I like to think we are just turning it right side up. Our 023 Pro Mentorship is the complete package to help you truly understand ancient principles of holistic living and how to apply them in our modern world. And it's not just a mishmash of all different information that you don't know what to do with. No, it's the opposite. Together, we build your own 023 system where you'll know how to guide a client to true life-changing transformation from start to finish using structure, sequence, and systems every step of the way. Once your program is finished, we begin our intensive sales mentorship so you know exactly how to explain who you help, how you help them, and how it works so you can find the people who need you the most and help them finally find true health and happiness. Yes, the course is complete with over 80 video modules, every kind of business checklist or resource you could possibly imagine, and of course, group calls every week. But because it is a true mentorship, that means we are working with you individually, one-on-one, the entire process. There's over 20 one-on-one coaching calls throughout. And because of that, we can only enroll six clients per month so we can deliver on the highest level. So if you think you deserve to be one of those six clients, if you're looking to transform your clients and your career by transforming yourself, then head over to our website, www.023coach.com. In the top right corner, you'll see a button that says schedule a call. It's a 15-minute call. There's nothing for sale on the end. It's just to get some clarity on where you are, where you want to go, and what's standing in the way. If we think we can help with what's standing in the way, 
We'll talk to you about what the next steps look like and what the potential relationship could feel like. Get over there right now, www.023coach.com, and get started right away.